So let's pray, if you will, with me. God, we just, we thank you for how great you are. Jesus, remind us, remind us how to walk humbly with you this morning. Father, we ask for your heart. We ask that you would break our heart for what breaks yours, and that would be our actual prayer. It wouldn't be a prayer made of fear. It would be our prayer to seek your heart and what you want in this city and in this community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So growing up in Vancouver, Washington, which is just a little north of Portland, Oregon, there was uh, a little place um, just kind of north of Seattle, a little place called Wild Waves. Anybody has ever heard of Wild Waves? Nobody? Oh, y'all are missing out. Okay, so Wild Waves is phenomenal. If you don't know about Wild Waves, it's like a half water park, half amusement park. Okay, so you have roller coasters, games, kind of carnival level stuff, whatever, on one side. Then you have this huge, massive water park. On the other side, big wave pools and water slides, roller coasters. It's absolutely amazing. And it was always a trip that we looked forward to every year. Because I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in a pastor's home, so I was a youth pastor's kid, and you're like, oh, that's what's wrong with him. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Um, because I grew up in a pastor's home, and it was like, man, when you're, when you're a pastor's kid, your life is just constantly on display. It was like I always had to be a good Christian because the church was everywhere, and if I wasn't being a good Christian, somebody came up and pulled me by the collar. I was like, uh-uh, not in my house. I was like, come on. Can't get away from these people. Like, leave me alone. I just want to be a good sinner. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're going to be a good Christian and pull me out of stuff. I'm like, Thank you, Jesus, for those people now. But in the moment, I was pretty upset. But it's like when your life's on display like that, right, and it's like, oh, I'm always going to be working. It's like doing all this stuff. Wild waves made it all worth it. You guys, made it all worth it. It was like, oh, we get to go to wild waves in the summer? Yes. Like, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. And I remember one year we went, and, uh, you know, I guess before that, every time I'd go, we, it was such a great time. But they have, kind of like in Commonwealth, they had like that big open kind of water slide thing. And then there, they were green, so I just call them the lame green water slides. Because they were the ones you can kind of sit on your bum, and, you know, and you're just like, wee, and you kind of swash back and forth. Like, oh, this is great. Maybe you'd hit a tunnel every once in a while. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And you go out, and you're like, yay, and then sploosh. Yeah, it was great. And you kind of walk out, and you do something else. Right? I was like, all right, no, no big thing. But there were these other water slides. Let me tell you about these water slides. Like, you saw them from like four miles away. They're just, they just stood like tall, like the Empire State Building. You're just like, yeah. Like, they were so intimidating. I was so intimidated every single time because like you'd hear the screams from the parking lot. And you're like, is that from the roller coaster? No, that's from the water slides. Like these things are intense. And so you would like, you'd walk up these water slides and oh, you'd have like, you'd be sitting there, right? And, and they would basically have your feet up against, um, up against this like little gate thing, whatever you want to call it. And we're not talking about these, like, big, green, kind of, like, luscious, you know, luxury ride. You're not driving a Bentley here. Like, no, this is, like, a Lamborghini, like, on crazy pills where it's, like, this really skinny white water slide with the force of a thousand oceans getting shot down. Like, you are, you basically become a comet coming down to the Earth's crust at unbelievable speeds when you go on these water slides. It's, oh, it's amazing. You stand underneath them, and people are screaming because they can't see because water is shooting from their feet and from their ears. I mean, just water is going everywhere. And I was like, oh, never going to do that, right? It's a seven-year-old, you're like, never going to. I'm just going to stick to my nice little water slides. And then, then one year, 10 years old, I was like, all right, double digits, pops. I'm going on that water slide. And my dad said the most encouraging thing he's ever said to me. He gets down on my level, right? He gets down on my level, and he goes, son, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm like, well, I was sure, but now I'm not so sure. Like, what, should I not be doing this? Like, what's the thing? He's like, okay, I'll tell you what. 
I'll go with you on these water slides so that way you kind of know what to do and I'll, and I'll help you out. And I was like, oh, you are a gift from the heavens, sir. And so we go up this water slide. And the thing is, we're not supposed to look down, right? That's the rule when you're on heights. You're not supposed to look down. But they're, they're cruel at, at, at Wild Waves because the stairs that you walk up these, like, gargantuan water slides, they have holes in the stairs. So as you're walking upstairs, you kind of look where you're watching, and you're, ah! Like, you're looking down. You're just seeing people get smaller and smaller and smaller. You're like, oh, I'm going to die. This is how it is. Tell my mother I love her. Like, this is great. And I'm never going to marry. I'm never going to have children. Like, it's, it's, yeah, there's all these things going through my head. So my dad, you know, he gets, I love my dad. He is one of the most confident, like, most godly men I have ever met. I love, love my dad. And he, I mean, he's a big reason why I'm in ministry today. And so I look up to this man, and he's walking, and he's like, we got this, son. I'm like, oh, if you got this, I got this, because I'm terrified out of my mind. And he gets up, and he, I'm sure he's kind of over, like, dramatic for my purpose, right? He's kind of, He's cracking or whatever, gets kind of situates himself down, puts his feet on the ledge or whatever. And the idea is you're supposed to look back at the guy and kind of nod, and, and he'll hit this button, and you, here you go. And so he's sitting there, and he kind of, all right, hit it. Like, I was like, I lost my dad. I'm a home, I'm, I'm, I'm an orphan. Like, my dad just died going down this wall. I'm like, I am so done. If my dad is screaming like a three-year-old girl, like, I am in so much trouble. So I'm like now approaching this water slide. I'm just like, mm, mm, okay. I, I lean back, and of course the guy's like, "You better cross your legs, son." Like you know, you got to get in the position, right? And you're like, "Okay, I got to go down." And I'm and I'm sitting there because you cross your arms and you do this and you lean back, and then again you're supposed to like nod to the guy. Well, I had a question for him because I was like, I'm like, how quick? Because I wasn't paying attention. I just heard my dad's screams. I was like, ah! you know, I just closed my eyes, and I'm like, I was gonna ask him how. How, how fast is the release on this thing, right? Is it like a gradual, like, oh, like, here we go? Or is it like, like, gone kind of thing? And I go to, I go to say, I got to ask him the question. He thinks I'm nodding, hits the button. It's not a slow release. It's a, whoo, I'm, ah, and I'm, I'm going. And church, it's one of those experiences where, like, you don't know what's happening. And so all you can do is hold on to your own body for dear life. Like, I mean, my knees are crossed so hard. I'm, like, cracking my, like, kneecaps. I'm, like, bruising myself, right? I mean, if you had to go to the bathroom, you don't anymore. And then, so I'm, like, and I'm holding my chest. Because if you don't hold your chest on these water slides, your rib cage will fly up and hit you in the face. So you're, like, holding yourself together as you're going down this water slide. And you're just, I mean, nothing. Water spraying everywhere. Eyes are closed. It's, ah! And you're just flying, just going. And all of a sudden, whoosh, you hit the water and you think that's it. But what they don't tell you is you land in like 12 feet of water. And so not only are you like, I have no idea where you are, you go into this deep pit of water. So now you're like, whoo, that was fun. But now, ah, like you're trying to climb out of this submerged like tomb that they put you in. And then you emerge, you burst forth from the water and you're just like, ah, Awesome, right? You just—I mean, it's just amazing these water slides. And I can tell you that ever since going on one of those water slides, I have never once gone back to those little green like mm, let's just sit on our bums. No, that's like that's like as kids, you know, when you sit on the back of your bathtub and you kind you kind of stand and you're like wee, you know, you do that whole thing. Like that's totally what it's like now. It's like this, not even close, not even close. But that's what. That's what following Jesus is like. Church, that's what, that's what following Jesus, there's nothing else like it. 
There's nothing else like it. Once you do it, that's all you want to do. Once you start walking humbly with Jesus and you start following Jesus, that's all you want to do. Everything else just pales and everything else is a bathtub. Like, woo, that's, that's all it is. And I have this, I have this uh, image I always have for my students where you're saying to God, okay, God, I'm following you. I'm, following, I'm walking this way. I'm following you. So what do I have to do? I have to repent, right? We repent. Steve's talking about this a bunch. Repent, turn around, walk toward God. But see, we're still battling this sin nature, right? So we have our, still our humanity because we're not conformed to Christ yet. And so as we turn, we're like, okay, I'm repenting. I'm walking toward you, Jesus. It's all good. But like, ooh, hey, remember this? And they're like, oh, no, no, that's right. That's not good. That's not good. But ooh, hey, what's going on? No, 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 that's not good. That's not good. Okay, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Ooh, but, you know, I'm still gaining ground. I'm still following Jesus. But we have this, this play in our lives where, but, but as, you, as you follow Jesus further, this stuff over here really loses its luster, really loses its like grip on you because you're like, Ooh, like, I know how this is. I know what this looks like. And when I'm like, well, I forget what this is like. Ooh, and you kind of turn back around, right? It's the idea of walking humbly with Jesus is something that, you will never experience in any other form of entertainment or any other form of lifestyle, no other form of anything else that you could possibly imagine. Nothing compares to walking with Jesus. And we talk a lot about here at Sands about living 6-8, right? And if you're new with us this morning, living 6-8 is acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly. Now I have the fortunate privilege this morning of talking about our walking humbly piece. Next week, Steve's going to be back, um, and he's going to be sharing about the loving mercy piece. He's going to be talking about Adopt-A-Block and giving us some real practical hands-on tools for Adopt-A-Block and how we can do that as a church. And then the week after that, we have Compassion in that IJM conference, and Compassion and IJM are going to be putting on a kind of Compassion Sunday, and they're going to be talking about how to do justice in our community and in our city. And so as we cover these three aspects of Living 6-8... I titled this message Water Slide because that's exactly what following Jesus is like. It's like a water slide. Because walking with Jesus needs to excite us. Walking with Jesus needs to be exciting. How many of you guys have been to Disneyland? Nobody? Okay, so you guys are okay, you guys are a little bit better than the morning service. You guys get out of Victoria a bit. That's good. Like, good for you. You travel on the States. It's not a scary place. It's okay. Trust me, I'm an American. Um, well, that's true. You're like, well, if, that, if all Americans are like you, I'm not going anywhere near that place. But... If you've ever been to Disneyland and, you know, you go and experience everything that Disney has to offer, right, to quote Jim Gaffigan, it's, it's, it's the magic of Disney where you walk all over creation and still gain weight. Like, that's, that's a miracle that only Disney can provide. And so you go there and you experience everything that Disney has to offer. And it's like, I mean, back in the day, because we went to Disneyland a lot as a kid. And my dad, again, I love my dad. But my dad would live in, like, one of the princess castles if they would let him, okay? Like, he would wear the dress and everything. He wouldn't care as long as he got to live at Disneyland because I swear as a kid, we would go to Disneyland and it was kind of like, oh, we're going to go for the kid. No, we went for him. He was, like, a mile ahead of us all the time, like a little just like, ah, 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 just always. He was just pumped up in Disneyland. So we'd always take, like, a thousand pictures, right? But back in the day, before smartphones and everything, you actually, I'm not too old to remember this, you actually had to take a picture with a camera, and, like, take it to Costco and have it developed, right? And then you put together a little thing called a photo album, right? And so as, you're, as people go on vacation, 
you get their photo album of the you know, Disneyland 2003. My mom was always really good with the front cover, like the collage, like Disneyland 2003. And you'd hand somebody this photo album, and granted, it's this thick. However, you're like, hey, there's the start and there's the end. When somebody hands you your cell phone now, you're like, oh, when does this end? How many pictures are on this like stinging thing of technology? What? Because you're just, that's great. You're on Indiana Jones for the thousand times. That's great. Yeah. Oh, you're eating another pork. That's great. Okay, that's great. Uh, unbelievable. And you're just like, will you just leave me alone? Like, they, no, no, keep going. It gets better. It gets better. There's, there's more stories. Just keep, and there's, there's commentary as you're going through the slides. It's, it's unreal how excited people get when they go to like Disneyland or wherever else. But why are we so excited about Disneyland and we're terrified to talk about Jesus like that? Why is it that we're so excited to talk about Disneyland, show photo albums, tell stories, and we are terrified, terrified to talk about Jesus like that? I've been recently convicted of that because I'm a, an exciting kind of guy. I like excitement. So how is it that we can get so passionate about Disneyland and run away from Jesus? And there's a warning in Matthew 10 about this. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father. This is Jesus talking. My father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also, before my father, deny them who is in heaven. So one thing we have to ask ourselves, and I know I ask myself this a lot of time, you know, like, well, how does it, how does this world work? How is, you know, but do you know that the number one cause of atheism in this world today, you know what it is? It's Christians. Christians are the number one cause of atheism in the world today. Because, see, we come to church, and we, we hear a good word, and, we, and we, we worship, and it's great, and we're all like, woo, Jesus, yeah, this is awesome, this is amazing, come on, like, bring it down, man, bring it down. Then we walk out those doors, and we live like little devils. And that's something that an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. And they, they look at our lives, and they say, well, if that's what your Jesus is like, I don't want any part of that. Because not only, not only is that, but then you feel guilty because you're following all these rules. And so you're like, well, you are still living like I do. But then you have all these rules that make you feel guilty. So now you're more depressed because you're letting God down. Even, it's like, forget that then. Just live like me because we're living the same way. Just leave out the rules. See, and we don't like hearing about this in church. We don't. We don't like hearing about this in church. Because questions like this, like how, how well are you telling God's story by how you live? How are you living out the good news? Are you walking with Jesus in such a humble way that it actually honors our king? So we don't want to hear, we want to hear this in church. And sometimes we hide behind the, the, the thin veil of legalism, right? We're so afraid of being legalistic Christians. It's like all of a sudden, like, legalism is this horrible, wretched thing. If I become a legalist Christian, like, oh, no, because I'm saved by grace and grace alone. And so as I live with Jesus, man, me and Jesus are like this. I may live like the devil out there, but me and Jesus are tight. Trust me. Trust me. Me and Jesus are tight. Don't worry about it. Just trust me. We're, we're really, really tight. 
And we're so afraid of, of getting into this realm of legalism that we go so far the other direction. Like, well, I don't want to seem legalistic. So whenever I talk to people about Jesus, it's accompanied with a slew of, of profanity so that way I can meet them on their level. Right, and I'm so concerned about my, my newest, um, newest interest, my newest thing about saving money for this or that or whatever it is. And I'm so consumed with this that I, I don't want to seem legalistic. So I'm going to go over on that side so that people can relate with me on how I live my life. And we don't like hearing this, church. But God has given us standards. Not rules. Do not confuse the two. Not rules, God has given us standards for how we're supposed to live as part of his kingdom. Standards. In fact, Micah 6.8 is a summation of those standards, right? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. That's a summation of the standard in which we are to live as citizens of his kingdom. Now, if, G, if you're like, ooh, three is a little tough. I need, like, okay, fine. Jesus is like, I got you. I'll go to two. Love God and love others. You notice how not one of those is about you? You notice how not one of those commandments that Jesus gave us, love God and love others, is about you. We don't like hearing it, church. I know I don't. I don't like hearing that. You mean that you mean the Bible is not my story? You mean that that God isn't concerned with what I need? You understand some of the things that's going on in my life, Jesus. If you're going to say it's about other people, no, it's about me because I got issues. Love God and love others. On this, the entire law, on this, those two commandments, not one of those is about us. Not one. It's not a me-centered gospel. It's not something where we can go and just simply say, well, church is here to occupy my needs and what I, what I want and my interests, and I'll just come, I'll worship, I'll give, because they talk about giving all the time. The Lord knows the church only wants my money. Stop saying that. Stop it. No, we don't. We don't want your money. We want you to have a lasting, incredible relationship with Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we want to see. Because you know what, church, what good is church if we just come and occupy a building? What good is church if we just come and occupy a building? Anybody can come in and occupy a building. So what good is church, what good is the body of Christ if all we do is come in and occupy a building? Because when we come in here, we're like, "Woo, Jesus, that's good. You are good. You are good. I'm going to come to this altar. You are so good. And then you come out. You walk out these doors, you put on your $300 Bose noise-canceling headphones, you turn on your Bose noise-canceling headphones, and you turn it specifically to the God station, and you're like, uh-uh, not in my house. Right, so in here, it's God's house, but as soon as we go out there, it's like, la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Imagine if your kids did that. Follow with me, if you will. Imagine if your kids did that. Some of you have kids in this room. If you don't, you may soon. And so you'll understand this as I have had to learn so incredibly hard the hard way. I love my children very much. But imagine. Imagine if on, say, it's just like a Wednesday night or maybe a Thursday. Let's mix it up. Thursday night for dinner. Right? I, I sit down with my kids and they just look at me like this. 
Like every word that I say, like they don't even have to eat because my very words are sustaining their physical bodies. And they're just like, you are brilliant. Right, you just, you are so smart and handsome. And man, God has blessed me giving you parents like that. Like, oh, I'm just so moved. Imagine if your kids said that to you at dinner time and you're just like, I can't do any wrong. This is fantastic. Yes. And then they get down from the dinner table and they start running around. You're like, no, 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 stop. Don't, don't, don't jump off of that. Stop it. Don't put that in your mouth. Stop it. And they're just like, ah, ah, ah. They don't listen to a single word that you say. You'd be like, forget them. We can make more of them. Get rid of these ones. Right? Like you wouldn't put up with it. You're like, what is this? What is this? Why is it that we expect obedience from our children, but then we don't obey God? Why is it that we expect obedience from the people around us? Like, why don't you just do what I, what I tell you to do? When Jeremiah is getting ready to jump down the stairs for the thousandth time, you're like, child, will you just obey what I have to say? And yet we do the exact same thing with God. So many times the Bible uses that illustration that we, we are his sons and daughters. We are his children. I don't think that's by accident. I, and I think it's because, and the reason why children are a blessing, and I want to just start saying this in Bible, God says they are a blessing. Because the blessing is that we get to see how horrible and wretched we are to God because our children are horrible and wretched to us. That's the blessing. He is helping sanctify us on a daily basis. Can I get an amen? Like that's, like that's what children do. And we, we do this with God constantly right and we we block him out we're like i don't want to hear from you i don't want to know what you have to say i don't i don't want i got this again i got i got one good word this week i sang one really really good song i gave the church now i'm good i'll take over from here i got this people ask me all the time like you'd be surprised how many people ask me this and maybe you've been the person asked me this like kenan why are you so, like, obnoxiously excited, like, annoyingly excited all the time? Like, seriously, how much coffee do you drink? Do you just you pump, like, caffeine, like, into your veins? Like, what is the deal? I'm going to tell you the deal this morning. And you're like, oh, getting your, like, things to write out. You're like, oh, the endless tap of energy. Let me write it down. It's really simple. You will actually know how close I am with Jesus by how excited I am. So if you see me not so excited, you might want to come tap me on the shoulder and go, hey, how's, uh, how's your walk with Jesus going? Because I guarantee you that if I am not like off the walls like I am right now, if I'm not off the walls, then I'm probably struggling in a certain area. Because I have not told anybody this outside of my youth group. So if you're in our youth group, you blessings, you got the first little note there. But most people don't know this about me. My actual personality, like my, my personality, Kenan's personality, is actually an extreme introvert. An extreme introvert. Where, where growing up, especially during the summertime, right, it was like I'll get up at, you know, noon, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, eh, whatever. doesn't matter. I'm doing my millennial duty and just getting up, not getting a job and playing video games all day. That's all I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just working my millennial generational ways of doing life. And I was cool with that. And I, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to hang out with my brother because he didn't drive me crazy. But people drove me crazy. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to go and experience what life had to offer. I was like, there's people out there. People drive me nuts. Right? And I did that 
And I lived that way for so long because I was afraid. I was afraid of what would happen if I went out there. The reason I get so excited is because that I can look up at my king and I can say, you are my king, and he returns and says, that's right, and you are my son, and you are dearly, dearly loved. Can I get an amen? Like, come on, that's our king, and how he words things to us is that we are loved beyond all measure, and because I can call him king and he calls me son, that is why I'm as excited every single day as I am. No other reason than that. I had half a cup of coffee and four glasses of water day. That's what I've had. <laughs> Kathy has nothing to do with it. Church, we can experience God's power on a daily basis. We can. I spent so many of my years in life not seeing God's power because I was scared, because I had fear. I was sitting on top of the water slide just about ready to enter, and I would not give him the nod. I just sat there, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. 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 And you know what happened then? Eventually, I did it. I was like, okay, God. And it was probably on, like, some camp high, right, and for those who are unfamiliar with youth camps, they're not doing drugs, it's like a camp high is one like you're so on fire for Jesus, you're like, I can conquer the world, that's a camp high, so it was probably on a camp high that I looked up at this, at this, you know, at God and saying like, let's do this, let's go, but see what happens though is then when you're living in a state of fear, God will push the button and will release you, and then your immediate reaction is, oh no, what have I done, and you pin yourself to the corner, you pin yourself to the sides of that water slide. And you sit there, and you sit there, and you sit there. You're like, what have I done? What have I done? I don't want to do this. And God's like, well, it's kind of too late for that, because you said you wanted to go down the water slide, so let's go down the water slide. And let me tell you, it gets a lot better than the first three feet of this thing. But you pin yourself up there because you're afraid of what he has to offer. And think right now, just the, the water that is used in a water slide, that's God's power. So when you're pinned yourself up in, in a water slide like that, Where's all that power going? Right, right into your back. It's, it's getting washed over and you look out and now the stream is just barely that. It's a trickle down the water slide because all it's doing is trying to push you down the slide. How many of us in this room waste God's power on ourselves? How many of us waste God's power on ourselves because we live in a state of so much fear that we're like, God, I just, I, you just need to push me down the water slide. That's where all your power, all your energy, and it was one of those things where I didn't see any sort of God's power because I was living a life of fear. All I was doing was pinning myself up to that water slide, and the power was hitting my back, and it was not being released and sending me down the journey and walking with Jesus. So how many of us in this room are wasting, wasting, I use that word very carefully, wasting God's power? On ourselves. Depression. Church, depression is a weapon of the enemy, and Jesus wants to set you free. Fear is a weapon of the enemy, and Jesus wants to set you free. In fact, in John chapter 1, it says this The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, what are you seeking? And he said to them, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. 
For many of you this morning, Jesus is asking you that exact same question. Come and see. Come and see the freedom that he brings. Come and see how powerful he is. Come and see how good he is. Come and see. Now, if you've ever ridden a waterside and you know how to do it properly, you know that there is a certain posture when you're riding down a waterside. Right? Because you go against the gate and you cross your legs, especially important for us gentlemen, you cross your legs and you hold on to your rib cage, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. There's a spiritual significant thing to this, because, you know, as I thought about it, I was like, they're kind of just preparing you to die on this water slide, because aren't you already in the position they're going to put you in the coffin when you die from this thing? Right? They're not even going to have to untangle your body. You're already there. They're like, sweet, he, okay, we got another one that died. Just put him in the coffin. Like, send him off, because he's already, he's already there. But there's a spiritual significant thing to that because if we think through that and we go, okay, if walking like Jesus with a water slide, what's the proper posture that we need to have as we go down this water slide? We die to ourselves. We die to our own interests. We die to our, our own um, dreams and our own things that we want to see accomplished. We die to those things. We die to those things and we allow God to take us where he wants us to go because there's nothing holding us back. And when we do that, we will see lives transformed. Transformed. A couple passages I want to read for you. Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Then skipping over a couple letters from that, Philippians 2 says this, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of on one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among you. You think it's important to have the same mind? Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Jesus died to himself. And he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, and even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God the Father. That's our King. That's our King. Amen, church? Come on, that's our King. Every knee is going to bow down. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord, that He is King. But notice that that all comes down to our focus. Are we dying to ourselves? Are you dying to yourselves? Am I dying to myself? 
Because if we don't die to ourselves, we are just wasting God's power. We are just wasting what he wants to do with our life. We are wasting days, months, years, decades. Do the math. I, I lived in fear for decades. I'm 25. Do the math. Decades. I lived that way for so long. We have to stop stop focusing on our issues and start focusing on the kingdom of God. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you focus on God's kingdom, if you make him the number one thing in your life, he promises that your marriage will be restored. Your finances will get figured out. Your kids will come home. Your health will be restored. Your fear will be relinquished. Because that's what our king does. Seek after the Father's heart. You want to take away? Number one thing, pray. Pray. Ask God to show you his heart. Ask God to show you how he wants you to get involved in his kingdom. Church, I pose that question to you and I pose that statement to you because I know for so long I was selfish with God's power. God's power was so focused on me that I wasn't able to see a single person around my life come to the transformation that we know is our king and what he can do in people's lives. Know this, friends, know this. God's promise for your life is that if you seek after him first, all other things will be added to you. But you don't do it for the things, you do it out of obedience. So I hope that you join me as a church. I hope we join together and begin to pray, Father, give me your heart. Give me your heart. I want to lay this stuff down. Give me your heart. Show me what you this way.